Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Talk, where we talk about all your Dwarf Fortress-related needs. And dreams. And compulsions. And, and addictions. <laughs> what number is this? Eight. Eight. Number eight. Dwarf Fortress of Romance. Eight. <laughs> I'm Rainseeker. Here with me is Captain Tastic. Say hello, Captain. Hello. And your illustrious leader, Tarn Adams. Tarn Adams. Also known as Tony Hunt. <laughs> That's right, and we got baby scamps right on the desk here kicking things. Trying to remove the pencil from the desk. Get rid of that pencil scamps. That's right, we'll have to get rid of those scamps, lock them outside, but <laughs> So our topic for this week is sciences. And uh we uh Decided to do that on the tails of the last vote because it came in second, and um, it uh, we proceeded to run a little vote, and most most of you listening probably saw that where we asked people what they thought about uh, what sciences we should kind of look at. Um, we'll probably address others as well. However, we we did get a a winning vote, and Captain, could you let me know what those winning votes were? Oh man. <laughs> my, my memory span. Um, going to the thread. <laughs> um, our winners are in order of top to bottom. We have physics with 497 votes, chemistry with 366, and psychology and sociology with 326. Now, Tarn and I kind of virtually looked at each other and said, what the heck are we going to talk about with physics? Why did we even put that on the vote? But uh, we're going to try to do it anyway. <laughs> Everyone yeah. loved Half-Life 2. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so when is when is Dwarf Fortress going to be like Half-Life 2? <laughs> is that how this one's going to go? <laughs> I was thinking that we're not scientists and we might have a little trouble, but... Um yeah, it yeah. could go. It could go even worse than I thought. I mean, there's like some kind of gun where you can like grab a dwarf and throw them, or something. Some kind of gravity gun that dwarves will have that throws them. And I don't remember anything else about that video game. We can make a lever out of like a barrel and um, a plank and a kobold. Oh, that's right. That's thing. right. A physics puzzle. That's what you. Yeah, physics puzzle. Okay, so Tarn, how is how does physics work in Dwarf Fortress in that we have gravity, we have we have other things. How is that going to um, – how does that work right now? And do you have plans to expand, um, you know, the, the laws of Newton in the future? <laughs> yeah, well, there, I mean, there are lots of different kinds of, of physics. I mean, and some of it's going to spill over into, into chemistry and everything else, of course. But there's um, – there, there. We've got the fluid model. That's one of the things that kind of stands out. So you have the the, the liquids that flow uh, flow around, and it, it kind of works tile by tile right now. Except you do have a little bit of pressure simulation there. Um, but you know, all in all, there's not a lot going on uh, with with how fluids interact with things. There's nothing floating yet, and uh, they they can push things, but but in kind of a haphazard fashion. Then there's um, 
sort of like statics or or things um, like cavens from uh, or you know your your red faction guerrilla type stuff with with uh, <laughs> with collapsing structures and so on. I mean originally that worked by just uh, the game was 2D so any open subterranean area could just be kind of assumed to have a ceiling that that was willing to fall on you. And uh, as soon as you had an open 7x7 area on the 2D underground map, then it would just collapse it on you eventually. In the later versions with the with the Z-axis, you've got these these kind of large uh, connected structures that can spin and spiral all over the place. And as long as they're connected to uh, something stable like the bottom of the map or the edge of the map by a single tile, <laughs> then uh, they won't fall over uh, as, as kind of a... Um, because the 7x7 seven seven rule doesn't really make sense anymore. Uh, and, um, you know, that's that's something we can discuss expansions of. And then um, what else have we got? We've got projectiles. Um, currently, they just fly along straight lines and then... or... or uh, and, and then say hit hit their their destination point or run out of juice or whatever and then just kind of fall on the ground uh, very bad there um, we have uh, some machines um, if you want to lump that in with 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 physics in general um, and and we have water wheels and and uh, windmills and um, screw pumps and things uh, uh, powering uh, uh, a few uh, workshops um, like the the millstone, uh, but you know not a lot going on there right now. And the siegens are just are just kind of these these buildings that shoot rocks, but doesn't really think about anything there. And everything still kind of flies in straight lines there. And um, we've got uh, temperature. Um, everything in the game has a temperature pretty much. And uh, there are certain certain points that can be crossed when they change states or, or catch on fire. Um, you know, psychology is one of those other topics we're going to discuss. And the psychology of a dwarf on fire is something that really <laughs> needs a bit of work. <laughs> they, they don't care at all uh, right now. I'm on but, fire. Oh, oh well. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't matter at all, and they'll just walk through burning items and all that kind of stuff. But but uh, that's that's another a part of the game that we've at least touched upon, and the uh, the upcoming version. Uh, goes into that uh, a bit more with more more material properties um, and uh, uh, so on. Um, and this is, I mean, I, I've run through those. I don't know what else uh, there is. So, yeah, I guess I'll stop there. If I could ask briefly about gravity and cave-ins. I had a dwarf once. Um, I had an entrance that was over some soil, I guess. And then I had a number like seven layers hollowed out beneath, just like individual layers. And at one point, one of my dwarves fell through the soil. I'm not sure how this happened, and fell seven, seven layers through each floor, suggested floor, and they proceeded to be rock, you know. And I got a message that so and so had died, and I looked at the top and found a hole going down seven layers deep. So I was curious: is the is that a random event that happens occasionally if enough people run over something or? Oh no, no. I mean that shouldn't have happened at all. Um there's nothing there's nothing like quicksand or or sinkholes or soil disappearing or anything like that. Um it should be. Well, th- it's it's quite a weird thing right now. Like like especially when you're in a sandy desert, <laughs> it's like you can dig out a room underneath the sand or whatever and the sand is just right. kind of 
pretending to be sandstone or something. And uh, it's 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 one of those things where you have the the fluid model and the the cave in model should intersect in some way. Um, you know, we 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 had kind of wanted sand to be a fluid uh, that acts kind of like magma does or something, but it it's it's a difficult problem to to kind of have the pathfinding and building structures and things on at least certain kind of structures uh, and dropping items on it that stand on top of it and so on and then having it also interact with other fluids uh, it's it's a it's kind of a difficult problem uh, it's one we're not we're not completely given up on but um, it's it's tricky and just in, just in general I mean if 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 soil collapsed all the time. Uh, that might be fine, uh, <laughs> a fine way to handle things. Uh, yeah. But um, one of the problems with, with cave-ins is if you don't have a simple model like that, like either it collapses all the time or it's a 7x7 seven seven or something like that, uh, you know, you can model all of the, the complicated statics and arches and all the things that you want. You can You can work really hard on getting a system that's accurate, but then... Uh, sort of communicating with the player about you know when is something going to collapse, when is it not collapsing, when is it close to collapsing, how far can you go becomes very difficult. I mean because you want people to be able to build a statue like um, the Crazy Horse Monument or something where where the arm is outstretched and not just going to collapse. <laughs> but at the same time, if you took the Crazy Horse Monument and then built a giant building and and huge like it looked like the head of a mace or something instead of a hand and you know put put uh you know giant golden statues in there and stuff you you, you might want the arm to give at some point <laughs> and collapse and fall down to the into the plains or whatever um so it's i mean it's is but but how do you communicate that to the player so right now we're stuck in this this sort of almost no cave in system where the player is clear when things are going to collapse because they actually have to be disconnected. And if we if we step away from that, then communication becomes actually the largest problem. I mean, there's there's uh, a bit of infrastructure already, sort of these columns. It keeps track of of, of columns uh, up and down of solid stone, and could kind of communicate information uh, between. Um, uh, those columns, sort of, how are they? How are they shearing to, against each other and trans, trans, transmitting forces downward to try and find a place to uh, to anchor to? Um, and you know, if the forces got too high, maybe something could shear off and fall. But uh, if your if your model is really complicated, then you're kind of leaving the player hanging or not hanging, as the case may be. And uh, uh, it, it 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 it's it's, it's a big problem, I think. With trying to do a really um, accurate model, like in bothering investing the time in that one, it's just going to lead to a ton of confusion. Yeah, I can definitely see how a, a mega project would require a lot of knowledge. If there are cave-ins, you'd need to know, you know, like, well, can I build this, you know, wing to this tower and then add this here? And the biggest problem would be an intuitive system of knowing, hey, is this going to fall? Is this going to know break apart what materials would be best for this yeah yeah i mean i mean something that's kind of easier to 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 tackle might be something like in the soil layers you know just having to have a um a support like every other tile or something like that if you really want to build a fortress in the soil then a rule like that would be 
pretty easy to understand, I think. But when it comes to the larger structures, uh, yeah, I'm still not sure how, how, or even ultimately if I'm going to handle that, because um, it is a difficult problem. Another thing would be like towers needing to have like, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Like a base, so it's not just yeah, like, like a bunch, bunch of rocks stacked up. Yeah, it, it. like a buttress or something, or like a. Yeah, but um, like a concrete, you know, underground to keep it weighted from falling over. Yeah, or just sinking into your sand or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, right now you could you could build it out on the mud in a swamp or something. Um, and I mean, just just having a kind of an up down system that 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 can kind of just look straight downward and say, you know, is this thing just going to sink into the mud? Um, even that, you you can kind of think of you know cases where it's not going to be a hundred percent clear. It's going to start to be confusing. Like if you start attaching it to other stone or something in pieces and you know it's it's it, it gets to be tricky i mean there's a lot of suggestions about cave-ins on the forum and i think the um, the main thing they need to be considering is the 3d nature of the problem i mean you can have a really twisty curvy structure like an abstract modern art statue that curls around itself and so on and that needs to be addressed because the player can create that shape um, and uh, you know, just just looking at 2D examples is basically useless um, as far as figuring out actual algorithms that can be used. Yeah, I think it's another case of you know want, wanting to make it realistic and interesting, but also easy to use, intuitive, and not limiting the player's choices. Yeah, and then right now we're just kind of letting people do whatever the heck they want, and. Um, I think that can stand for quite a while. I mean, the, I mean, the the thing with cavens is just to be kind of, um, kind of mean, <laughs> just to have have something for people to consider. But I'm not sure that's the type of problem that that people need to be thinking about until we get a lot of uh, other groundwork put in. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Very good. So uh, how is the is the fluid bottle going to change? We have we have hopes there. Um, you know the the uh, the one of the main things there there I guess there there are two things uh, and I, I guess one is one is um, has a couple sections but two things that are important are uh, floating objects and additional fluid types. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so for floating objects right now all the materials have densities and. So it it can, and they and they also have sizes um, in uh, uh, and 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 uh, yeah whatever other physical properties you might need. Uh, so it can it can tell you know is this is this object going to float uh, in in water or or magma for that matter, right. and that is not that. I mean I, there there are some issues there, but it's not it's not that that impossible a problem. Um, I mean, you you kind of worry when people use quantum stockpiles or something if they if they take, you know, a bunch of logs and drop you know five thousand of them in the same square and then that square suddenly gets wet, uh, you know, is it is is the CPU going to die? Um, you know, maybe, but uh, but it, it's not, 
it's not that it's not like there there needs to be a, a super lot of calculation going on because if if it knows the um, the density of the object to to begin with and I mean I don't know if we're gonna have to worry about shapes as well um, like like you know if an object has a, a concave shape it, the density isn't the only uh, the only variable that's important but um, the the uh, getting getting an object to float then is something that can be kind of especially for water which is so important it's just something that can be known about the object just be a flag on the object basically so it doesn't have to do any calculation at all except for the actual flotation and that is I mean it just depends on how you want that how you want that to work pretty much um, uh, there there's some other trickiness in in terms of you know if you if you're um, if your tile is, you know, two out of seven water with a seven out of seven below it, so it's actually, you know, bonafide water. It's not just a puddle, but it's it's it stops at a two out of seven square. You know, does the item float in the two out of seven square? Does it float in the seven out of seven square? What if what if you have a one out of seven? What if you have a zero out of seven with a seven out of seven below it? Does the water sit in? You know, which square does it sit in? I mean, it's part of the problem having kind of this quantized space where you have you know a tile here and then a tile here and then a tile here you want to decide where where your item rests and then there's the matter of having uh, currents which we've got um, the water the water uh, has a direction that it's it's supposed to be flowing even if the tiles aren't actually changing um, the 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 objects then uh, can can move and that's not really a big process or problem or anything, you know, depending on how many objects you're actually monitoring, but um, or how many squares you're monitoring. If you want to monitor it by object or or, or tile or whatever, there's there's a lot of different ways you can look at the problem. But just just basically, it's not a super hard problem. And and then it would be really cool to have you know to flood a room and have everything kind of. Either you know, depending on how heavy it is, just get pushed along or float up and float out, and and um, you know yeah. go wherever you want it to go. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there'd be a lot of applications that come out of that uh, for people that are doing all kinds of strange things. It'd be a good reason to have all all stone furniture in that case. Yeah, yeah, and then the 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 other problem that uh, I was going to mention is. Um, Things uh, well, the one of the sub problems I was going to mention for for liquids was uh, boats. Then um, you know boats are boats are important once you get to fluids, and then then you've got kind of a I mean it's almost like a cave-in problem kind of. It's like does this multi-tile thing that you've built you know perhaps tile by tile in whatever shape does it float, and if so you know how deep. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know a lot of nautical terms, but the the water line on the boat, whatever that's called, um, uh, you know how 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 deep does the boat uh, float, and how much of it shows above the surface of the water, and uh, it could do that. You know, that's not actually once it once it understands the boat as a multi-tile object, uh, that's not so hard to calculate because you have the total mass of the boat and. Um, you know how many air tiles uh, dip down at each level or whatever. The, the, you know, those kind of things pretty easy to calculate. It would just be a known quantity for that boat, and then you could um, stick it in the water and have it. You know, have a couple. If you have some giant galleon or something, you have a couple 
uh, tiles below the surface of the water and, you know, a couple tiles above the surface of the water, but, and you can just walk around on it and stuff. That'd be really cool. Um, and, uh, f- the other fluid problem was, uh, multiple liquids. It, 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 it's, it doesn't seem so bad at first, right? If I want to add, you know, a couple more liquid types like oil and I mentioned sand before. Um, I mean, sand and it's kind of, you know, you want to be able to build on it or walk on it or whatever has its own problems. But even if you just consider other liquids like, like actual liquids like oil and, um, uh, I'm not sure what else people have suggested, uh, blood and, uh, <laughs> uh, alcohol. giant, giant alcohol silos, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like for the dwarf with the... Release the alcohol upon the goblin. <laughs> That's right. So, that, those I kind of things, it's like, it's like once you get those up to flow, um, flow levels, like, like not just items, but an actual map flow, you can yeah. use the you can use the existing code and so on, move it around. But the the problem becomes mixing. I mean, there's already quite a bit of code devoted to mixing water and magma. Like you know, does it make obsidian? What happens to the objects in there and so on? But if you had if you had fluids that could mix or fluids that can't mix but don't destroy each other when they touch each other, like like oil and water or alcohol and water, you know, do different things when they touch each other, and it just seems like that's a that's kind of a can of worms that needs to be handled in one way or another. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that that I haven't thought that deeply about, but it it seems like it it's, it opens a lot of problems. Um, I'd still like to do it, but um, those are things that will would need to be addressed before I kind of embark on that project. So, with regards to gravity, will there be uh, different worlds have different like levels of gravity? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, just uh, yeah, just kind of the, the the general question, right? Is like the physical laws of worlds being based on parameters and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's like I haven't thought about that much, and it's the kind of thing that. That it seems like you could just you could just you know change the constants, um, assuming that that they worked like that. I mean, the the part of the problem with the with the projectiles is um, is how you've got these kind of quantized tiles, and right now they they think of it that way too. But if the if the projectiles actually stored their their kind of location in a in a in a much more refined fashion, and were just kind of displayed by tiles and hit things by tiles, but actually had, you know, their own arcs that they were traveling along. Then doing things like, you know, having a flight projectile, a flight projectile, a flight trajectory that, that is something like a, like a, um, a parabola, like you'd want, um, wouldn't, wouldn't be so bad. You'd have, you'd have trouble maybe in, um, there's a couple issues then for AI and, uh, and, uh, like when you're in adventure mode, how you target, you know, yeah. um, how does it relate to, because, even if you've got a parabola and you kind of aim your, you know, you can kind of target any any square that you can get a parabola to hit by, like, you know, theoretically raising the angle of your crossbow or whatever. Um, that's not so bad. I mean, especially with my math background and so on, I've, I've solved those problems before. I remember doing it in Armok 1 um, <laughs> and having, a, you know, you could actually kind of accurately hit something shooting on a, on a, uh, 
Why is the where is the word gone? Parabola. <laughs> Parabola. There's the word. Because uh, I was just thinking quadratic, quadratic equation. What's the shape of a quadratic equation? What's the word for it? And I couldn't remember. Uh, yeah. So so yeah yeah. I mean you could hit things along parabolas in that game, uh, and it would kind of come up with the parabola. There's like there was in generally like two solutions for each uh, equation, and it would choose the one with the lowest angle. Uh, so you'd shoot straight at the rabbit instead of like shooting way up in the air and having it fly and then come down on the rabbit or whatever. Uh, there's other, I mean, there's little issues like that, but um, you just want to make sure that once you once you kind of um, nail it to the uh, the tiles that you don't kind of lose your solution and and get all confused. But I think it's a I think it's not that difficult a problem and that people uh, and siege engines and everything else uh, could be flying properly. Um, and it's really not that much of a processor problem either, uh, just because projectiles aren't that frequent. I mean, if you do something weird like stick, you know, 5,000 logs on a drawbridge and then lift it up to shoot your logs everywhere or whatever, uh, I mean, these are kind of player-created problems. But, you know, sure that, <laughs> sure that might slow things down a little bit then or something. But um, I, I think then, you know, once you've got a model that, that has uh, a little... Uh, more refined numbers where it's keeping things out a few decimal places, then doing things like messing with the physical laws is way easier because changing the gravitational constant doesn't suddenly like knock you over 10 tiles to (laughs) screw everything up or just not get ignored because it gets rounded off. Um, And, and that, that would be something that I, I I think would be, uh, would be something that's, it's kind of a low hanging fruit at that point. So it'd be fun to do. Um, you know, does it come across in the game? Not quite so much as if you were playing a first-person shooter or something that had really good graphics. I mean, where where the gravity can kind of come across. You know, if you're playing on the moon or something, you'd kind of notice how things were being. And since there's no um, kind of actual frame of reference in Dwarf Fortress, like like grid size and so on, is a, is kind of a question. You know, how big is a grid? How you know how far is it from here to here? It becomes um, less obvious probably when the physical constants have changed and so on. But uh, at the same time, you know, if something falls and hits you on your head harder or something because you have more gravity or whatever, uh, that would that would probably come across, at least relative to your other other play experiences. And then, you know, you could you could have cases where there's just no gravity at all, which would be kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> Just things flying off, and <laughs> you'd be losing dwarves left and right. <laughs> to outer space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those 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 silly combat things where someone flies and hits a tree and blow apart. You know, the the, the parts would just kind of fly off, <laughs> fly off into space, and and uh, you know, it'd be, having, it'd, it'd be fun. I think you'd be having people bashing their heads on the ceilings too when they jump over each other in narrow hallways. Yeah, and then, then there's plenty of. I mean, the the nice thing about about just in generally considering physics again in general, the nice thing about using actual equations like getting to that point. I mean, the the the, the tiles having discrete tiles has you know makes it hard sometimes, but but getting to the point where you're using realistic equations or or semi-realistic equations like with the combat stuff with all those new parameters that are in there. The the nice thing about having it that way is, you know, being able to change the laws, and you could even consider things like local changes of the laws, like this area of the fort, because of some weird artifact you've got or something, that part is zero gravity. 
and then you know if you if you go in in there then things start to kind of fly and float around and stuff and uh you know that could lead to some really cool sites or whatever um on the uh in the world you know places where things just don't behave quite like you expect or whatever and uh, you know that, that would all be a lot of fun and because we've been modeling things um it's it's more accessible so it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that can be done, which is cool. So let's address chemistry. Now, um, this kind of overlaps, I guess. I'm just going to jump into something I was wondering about is, will we ever find oil in the mountains? Or in the plains. Yeah, or under the deserts and, and uh, wherever else you find it. Yes, it's a new liquid. Like you're under the sea. Own, yeah, un, under the sea. And uh, <laughs> with the mermaids, because there's already industries based around mermaids, so why, exactly. not, why not oil? Um, floating, so. <laughs> floating fortresses of, or oil patches. Yeah, yeah, and frozen frozen methane under the ground and under the ocean floor and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so so I think, I think it's... Uh, I think it would be really cool, you know, th- we've we talked about liquid types um before and kind of the 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 problems, but now let's talk about some some fun things or whatever. And just assume that you can kind of overcome some of the issues there. Right. Uh it would be cool to have, you know, a whole like, you know, you 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 have those those files um the raw files with the different types of stone. It would be cool if you could just be like well, this one's actually a liquid or whatever. And so there'd be like a oil layer or whatever, like a big oil sea or an oil pot. I mean, these, these oil, I don't, I don't know that much about it, but I'm assuming there's quite, since there's quite a lot of oil down there, if you're pumping 150 million barrels or whatever, uh, that's a lot of oil. And so you should, you should, you should actually be able to go down there and find, uh, you know, occasionally bump into whole kind of seas of oil or whatever. And, and be a uh, problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you don't Pressure want to. Yeah, you can have your dwarf shoot up on a geyser or something <laughs> really cool, uh, like shoot up on the air and then catch him on fire or whatever. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then but but then actually using, I mean, the, the historically, I imagine there's there's um, petroleum or oil or whatever isn't just a uh, a modern um, you know thing. I mean, people people at least poured it on people and set it on fire, of course. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, you can, you can, you'd, you'd be able to do things like that, assuming there was a way to say any, any liquid you've got. Right now we've got water and, and magma, but, but say you get one of these kind of mineral liquids that you define as a mineral layer or whatever, to be able to kind of maybe set up an activity zone or a workshop or whatever at, at that location, and then just put it into barrels or something. Yeah. And then once you have barrels of it, you know, whatever custom, Reactions you've got defined for it in the workshop, uh, whether that's in vanilla or modded or fortress, and then um, you can you can do things with it. And if there is something that you know sets on fire and you can pour on people, you'd, you'd need a way to to be able to do that. Um, and you know whatever else you can use use oil for would all be fair game at that point. So it would, I think yeah, I mean I think I think it would be really cool. You kind of have to jump over the largest hurdle there, which is just getting a uh, liquid on the map um, that isn't water <laughs> right. that that can kind of act like water or whatever. And and then there's I mean it opens up other things too, like there's tar. You know, uh, <laughs> above ground like having a whole tar pits and. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, tar pits is a lot of fun. And um, even kind of a more liquid version of mud that you could kind of sink and fall into. But, but you know, 
I mean, we're going going back to the physics discussion instead of forward into the chemistry discussion. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. We also have um, acids, of course. <laughs> uh, what are you What are your plans for acids in the future? So yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, of course, I'm of two minds on this, right? I mean, I've got I've got my um, my kind of uh, uh, Arab slash Persian chemistry from the you know the the around the year you know 800 or something like that uh, is the kind of stuff I've been looking at on Liquipedia when 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 you know people were isolating. Uh, sulfuric acid and making aqua regia and 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 all these kind of the the the, the um, sort of chem- chemistry glass flasks all spun and turned around for distilling things that that you see in in uh, crazy mad scientist movies and stuff. All that stuff existed long before my uh, kind of arbitrary 1400s cut uh, cut off and. Um, I, I mean, it would be really cool to be able to do, you know, all kinds of things with that. And of course, those acids—they're not—they're not like fantasy acids. <laughs> I mean, if you used aqua regia to etch gold or something instead of like, you know, making someone melt and into a little puddle or something, then, then you know that that would be cool just to to use it for things that it might have actually been used for. And there's things like you know acetic acid and citric acid and so on. There 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 are all kinds of things that that were isolated. Um, and had you know myriad uses, and I think I think that would be just great to have uh, have all that stuff go in. At the same time, you know you can't have fantasy world generators without fantasy acid. <laughs> so fantasy acid is like you know some kind of monster dragon, or whatever spits some crap on you, and you just go away. Um, and <laughs> You know whether or not. I mean, however the game models that, if it's just like, yeah, this is this does really bad things to people or whatever, it's kind of like a poison that way or something. How I've got them currently set up, or you know whether whether it's it's just says you know this has the melting acid effect on all kinds of stuff or whatever. Uh, it's it's uh, you know however however it works, it would it would um, be way more powerful than anything that you you'd be able to make with your your kind of. Um, uh, chemists shop, but then you know you can start working things like dragon scales and things in there, and, and it starts to blur the lines between you know chemistry, alchemy, and you know flat out witches' cauldron <laughs> style stuff. And uh, it that should be though. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. Yeah, that's. I'm not saying that's bad at all. It, it, it's it's just I want I. I <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm not confused at all. Those are the things I want, and. Uh, it's it's um you know it's just a matter of getting that stuff started and for for real chemistry i think you know having all of that out in the raws you know trying to hard code nothing uh just just you know list out as many chemical reactions as as you can think to do and you know there's there's a few problems here and there like uh you don't want you know if you define zillions of chemical reactions that give you all kinds of different chemicals and and they have different uses and you just slowly add to that list more and more you don't want to get to the point where anytime you drop an item on the ground it has to like chug away you know checking to make sure it's like well these two things just touched each other it's like the sword blade just touched the ground and now we have to check a list of 20,000 reactions to see if in fact the ground is going to explode or something and uh, it, 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 there's just things you have to kind of be conscious of when you start defining those things. It's, it's um, one of the reasons we kind of have contact poisons 
not quite on hold, but they're they're uh, they only work through splatters and contaminants now is because there's all kinds of things touching each other all the time, and you don't want to bog yourself down. Like when a dwarf is walking on the ground, um, you know, do you have to take the boots that he's wearing and versus the the type of the soil and make sure that there isn't some kind of explosive catastrophic reaction or that the boots don't kind of turn into gold or something because of some reaction, you know, and is the reaction, you know, exothermic and his feet catch on fire or whatever, does it, do they freeze or, you know, it's, 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 it's the kind of thing where you could, you could, you could find it getting out of control. However, uh, those problems are all surmountable, Um, you know, just looking things up you know, a little bit more intelligently than just kind of doing it by brute force. And then um, then you can have a very lively world where things can get splattered on you and splattered on other things and mixed together and so on and turn into other things. And, um, you know, we have temperatures for all of the objects and so on. So, you know, if you did, you did have a reaction that just heated things up, you know, you pour one liquid into another liquid and it turns into some other stuff, but it's also very, very hot. Uh, you can do that, and you can do that to, you know, do harmful things to yearly goblin friends and stuff. And uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, really does have a lot of potential. And and just having those things in the reality, I mean, there's a reason that the jobs in the Raws are called reactions. <laughs> it's like it was originally going to be for the kind of alchemy system for the alchem- alchemist workshop that doesn't even do anything, and. Um, yeah, except for soap or whatever it does now, and uh, not in the next version. But uh, it's it, it's because I you know I want to have reactions where it understands what materials um, you know I have to change the format of them a little bit, but it understands how materials react with each other and what the outcome of that process is and and so on. It, and it should be. Um, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot that you know, won't be done just because the real world is so, so rich with this kind of stuff, but, uh, we can do a lot and we, you know, we can do it eventually to the point where some people are satisfied. Yeah, that's the next thing. Explosives. What are your plans for tactical nukes? <laughs> yes, right. We have we have un, un, unrefined uranium in the game, and uh, yeah, you just need. I, I hear about centrifuges all the time, right? Um, and aluminum tubes. <laughs> so we've got aluminum. We don't have centrifuges. Uh, we have pipe sections. So you make a giant aluminum pipe section, fill it with with a pitch blender, whatever we've got, and um, um, yeah. So we're not doing that. Uh, but uh, the kind of the thing that, that that's on the uh, on the table is uh, uh, gunpowder, right? Black powder, um, and you know the materials that you need for that in the game are already in the game. I think um, we've got brimstone, which is sulfur, and I don't remember if we have saltpeter, if it's it's there or not. But I mean, I guess you could do all kinds of things with manure and urine to make it, or you can find it, you know, in, just in a crystalline form in the ground, perhaps. Um, and uh, we've got charcoal and coal and, and all kinds of stuff like that uh, available. So it's 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 there, right? The 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 building blocks are there, and then it becomes a uh, strictly a matter of taste, uh, and uh, you know what you're going to do with it. Um, so you know I've I've I mean we I don't think we've had the discussion on the 
Dwarf Fortress talk before, but I've had the discussion um, on the forums or in the the dev notes and so on about you know what 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 we think about that and uh, where we were on that is you know we we are not against kind of coding up the the code necessary to get that kind of thing to work. Uh, at, at the very least, just blowing the crap out of out of things. You know, maybe not making a gun or something, but but um, you know, blowing the crap out of things. And you know that that probably wouldn't be in the most vanilla vanilla dwarf fortress. Um, you know, after after we see it in action and seeing it, you know, perhaps not spoiling the mood entirely, it might it might make it in, but um, certainly would 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 uh, support that kind of thing shortly after. Uh, chemistry starts to take off, and um, yeah, I got no problem with that with that at all. And then you know, it's a matter of of you know how does blowing stuff up in the game work? <laughs> it's like, um, you know, it's it would just be another one of those reactions or whatever. It's like when this thing hits its ignition point or whatever, it's a little different than just setting on fire. And uh, you know, it would it would just need to be able to look around in the you know the the adjacent squares or whatever. And um, you know, apply forces to things, and um, it can do all that. So uh, it, it it should be uh, it should be not not uh, not that difficult once once we have this the chemistry stuff we've been talking about uh, to have things that are kind of explosive um, and and not you know not just black powder, which as far as I know is the only kind of historical example of a real kind of explosive. Um, of course, you know people can can show me whatever else there is that I don't know about there, but um, it, it it you know and there can also be fantasy fantasy type explosive things, uh, like like the the creatures that blow up and stuff for no reason um, that some somehow survived after all these thousands of years and then when you come up to them they just blow up or whatever. Um, it, it, yeah, so so I don't know. They're allergic to dwarves. Well. You know, dwarf dwarf is a one dies so that the others may live. <laughs> well, I guess they find a way. Yeah, I guess unless they're all lined up or something, because those things tend to blow up in clusters. Um, I'm not really sure where I'm at right now, but <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, pro 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 uh, pro modded explosives and kind of ambivalent about vanilla explosives, but. Um, it should be the kind of thing that that is just one kind of extra step in the uh, in the chemistry raws that you know instead of saying that this thing heats up or whatever when the products are mixed or when the products are ignited or whatever it's like this just kind of does an explosion of this this force per unit or whatever um, per unit of of black powder and um, and then then it would. Uh, you know, there just there just kind of need to be one extra function there that says what an explosion does, and um, after that you can start to, you know, work with ideas like what 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 about things like cannons or mines or whatever you want to you want to do, and we can slowly work with that. But um, you know, the farther afield you go, the more that it would be kind of deprioritized or whatever. All right. So what about like uh like herbs and plants being turned into potions? Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a I mean I guess hopefully it would all fall under um the same umbrella 
I mean, it's 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 not chemistry per se. You're not trying to give names to the things, but but stuff turning into other stuff that has effects or whatever. Because um, we've got the poisons right now are kind of the only example of a of a material having an effect, and the effects are like all over the place even now, right? They can they can make you cough blood, give you blisters, cause uh, your body parts to swell up and get compartment syndrome or whatever, and uh, you know all kinds of things give you fevers, make you dizzy. And that is that's kind of the a material effect that affects a creature through either contact, injection, or inhaling the the object. And so, if you start to give beneficial effects or more neutral effects, maybe add a few more ways for it to pass and in, you know into um, into the cause the syndrome to trigger. You know, it could just be something that's nearby rather than something that's inhaled or injected or whatever. And uh, then all of a sudden, what was a kind of really practical, kind of grounded, real-world uh, poison system becomes a a system for doing, you know, all kinds of uh, fantastic things. And uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, so so if you're if you're herbs or whatever, if you if you say, you know, one plump helmet, you know, and one newt eyeball is a reaction you can do in a in a in a workshop. Um, to create a uh, and, and then you also need to bring an empty flask and then you use the two container thing that we've got now for reactions to to say all that stuff goes into a new liquid in that container called uh, plump helmet newt eyeball juice or something um, then that material that you define you could define a new material and that material could have whatever properties you want so the kind of the, the pieces are in place now to make poisons. You wouldn't be able to do anything with them unless you somehow found a way to get the poison out of the container, um, which you could do. Um, in fact, yeah, if it, I mean, if you, if you find a way to, to kind of heat the thing up, like dropping it in magma or something, and then it turned into a gas, you could have creatures nearby inhale it. <laughs> so you could actually set up some kind of poison gas traps, even in the new version that's coming. Um, but but just in general, you know, things like 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 a, like a potion that, that makes you happy or something. Really, the main obstacle there, I guess, there are two two obstacles there now uh, in the current system. One of them is that you need to have the effect. You know, you need to actually give the the modder or vanilla modding uh, control to change the happiness of a dwarf or something. So it's not just giving them blisters or whatever, but there's a new effect. And that list is just going to increase over time um, and hopefully, you know, cover the bases. And the other problem is to get a dwarf to actually use the thing, you know, to recognize that that there's now this flask filled with this juice that when you drink it, it, it kind of makes your happiness 150% for, you know, a week. And, you know, having the dwarf know that that's something that needs to be used is, is a, a kind of a large problem, especially for... For a uh, kind of modding situation where you make, you know, this is the happiness juice that gives you blisters and makes you fly. It's like, when do you drink that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like an adventure mode thing. Uh, <laughs> it's like that the adventurer would take that journey. But, uh, but not necessarily a dwarf craftsman or something that's feeling a little bummed out. Um, so, so that, 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 that's, that's another issue with, with kind of modding and all kinds of, um, 
stuff, but it's not that far away now. It's 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 something that you could you could mod in your own poisons and create them and boil them to to make them work now. Um, and we just need to kind of expand uh, the effects and and get things uh, a few more uses. All right, so um, yeah, where are we at? We're down to soaps and things. So I don't know if we're <laughs> if people will be satisfied. I guess I guess the the one kind of glaring kind of smelting metallurgy thing. If people are wondering about alloys and um, like the exact a- exact manganese con- content of their <laughs> steel or something, right? Um, I guess that opens some interesting avenues of discussion. Uh, at least stuff I'm totally confused about how I would do it. <laughs> like like uh, like if you take um, like uh, metals, like like there's all different kinds of steels, right? It's like this one's two percent carbon, three percent manganese, and and this one is you know this percent this and this percent this and this percent this, and they all have you know really different properties, but you know, would I have to make a separate material entry for every single one? At this point, I would, right? Um, and and you just kind of make, you know, stainless steel using whatever goes into that. I don't remember if it's manganese or uh, tungsten or whatever the heck else there is that they put into steel these days or in former days. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just not sure if, if, it's, if, it, if it's practical to... I mean, right now, we've got a ton of alloys in the game, but they're all just kind of these broadly defined like two bars of this one bar of this makes this or whatever I was thinking we could do a quick flyby on the uh, senses and how they might come into play in the future yeah I mean yeah yeah scented soaps Um, so where do you envision the senses coming into play in the future of Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> Touch, smell, taste, hearing, and eyesight. That's right, and the sixth sense and echolocation and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The Electromagnetic e- infrared. That's right, the lateral line system on the fishies or whatever, and, and being able to. Ionic power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a um, a thing like a lot of that. I guess it starts as an adventure mode question, just because you experience things in the first person. There, um, caught me. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you caught me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all about adventure. I mean, it'd be it'd be cool. To, like hear things that are, you know, when you when you when you um, right now you 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 either do or don't get announcements spam depending on your settings, and then. Uh, and bugs, and you know it should should compact that stuff down into into sound messages. Um, you know, there's Battle to the West or whatever sounds a Battle to the West, and if you pick up a soap, you know you should should be able to feel it and smell it and get it get 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 uh, information like that. Um, although you know you have to kind of think about to what end, um, and uh, you know if 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 soap that has a certain you know uh, chemical into it smells a certain way I guess it's cool just to tell you about that um, and um, yeah what else what else do we have there I mean I guess if you were you know say blindfolded and ate something it should tell you what it tasted like or whatever 
Um, I mean, you get to that whole thing of, you know, what if someone puts an orange under your nose and you eat an apple or whatever? Um, <laughs> but that's, that's all very complicated. Um, it'd be the kind of thing that would be done on a really weird lark. But, uh, it's, it's I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, really, you'd, you'd want to probably address this stuff from the perspective of, of actual, um, Situations in adventure mode where you'd really want the data because it'd be those be the first ones that go in. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you had anything in mind. <laughs> uh, like scents, like you smell uh, cobalt den. <laughs> That's right. But that would that would require flows, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, to take the take the miasma for instance, right? The uh, the the visible purple <laughs> you can't even see through it miasma it's like that stuff it should I mean dwarf mode may be a different matter but in adventure mode that stuff should be invisible and 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 you know you like you're like in adventure mode you can't see that stuff but it's kind of moving around as a local flow as long as flows are kept local like that and don't have any kind of wide-ranging pressure code, and they don't block pathfinding, they don't do anything except kind of wiggle around a little bit, then they're not really a processor problem. And so you can have these local flows or whatever. And it, when you enter one of those one of those areas, you know, it could just be like, you know, the, this place smells like death or whatever, you know, yeah. because there's a butterfly rotting on the ground or whatever. And, uh, you know, there could be, as long as you're a bit conservative with with your use of them like like if every single creature had a giant flow coming out of it that would start to be a problem like if you wanted it to smell like a kobold den or whatever um you'd, you'd kind of want to start moving away from the local flows there and just kind of have have places that are lived in by things just kind of smell a certain way um and uh yeah then then that would be that would be really useful kind of information when you go to a cave for the first time if you're a a connoisseur that can tell the smell of a kobold or something kobold then uh it it could tell you about that sure <laughs> um you know it might not be a local flow that you could kind of follow the gradient of to achieve the uh, the kobold's location or whatever like swimming upstream on the smell but uh but but yeah you know, no I, I yeah no I like the idea of being able to track things and and uh, and find them and pick up little kobold scats and dig around to see what they've been eating or whatever <clears throat> after a fashion anyway. Has this been brought up yet? The the Baghdad battery that everyone always brings up all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean electricity. I, yeah, I think we've discussed that on the on the the, the forums quite a bit. Anyway, um, yeah, the Baghdad battery. I mean, I, I they people still get into fights about this, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want. I mean, as as far as I know, you couldn't do anything with the thing. Yeah. Um. But I but I saw a fight break out over that already, so I don't want to. I mean, I'm not an expert on the Baghdad battery. Like, what did I see? Like, a Mythbusters episode where a lemon could do more or something? Um, but but that's, like, you know, nothing or whatever, so. 
I don't want <clears throat> to strike too sharp a, a tone on that, but but uh, I mean I certainly don't know of any evidence of things like ancient electroplating from things stuff like that or whatever. I mean if there is stronger evidence, then we could start thinking about that stuff. Um, you know, and and you know it's up to people I guess to decide what their what their dwarves can do because a dwarf society is not a human society, and you know. <laughs> That stuff is, if you know how it works, then you can do it, but it's not, not the type of thing that you just figure out, right? Um, yeah. I mean, you could use use medieval household appliances to do stuff like electroplating or whatever, um, but you, you, you just wouldn't think to do it because it's completely non-intuitive or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who knows? Dwarves are down there all the time, and maybe they do stuff like that. <laughs> never know about them dwarves. No, I mean, especially if they have magical artifacts or something. I mean, maybe they do have an artifact that sticks a couple of wires into a lemon or something. <laughs> yes, you give dwarves lemons, they make a Baghdad battery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, we need lemons first. <laughs> the fruit tree situation is pretty sad right now. Yeah, so people want lemons, they want batteries, they want gunpowder, they want tack nukes. In that order. Now, don't forget the steampunk. Well, that's kind of along the path there. Yeah, yeah, you got to put that in there somewhere. The, the, the tech tree requires lemons before you can get steampunk. And uh, what's it called? The diving, diving bubbles, um, diving, diving bulbs. Spheres. Yeah, you got to you got to go underwater and look like a space alien or whatever. Um, yeah. See a dwarf doing that all the time. All right, so now we're going to talk about psychology, um, dip our, our little toes into the the ins and outs of the dwarven brain. <laughs> and right now, the way that dwarves think is whether they're happy or sad, and it doesn't really matter um, that their friend has died, but they have just eaten in a legendary dining room. That's right, it's a fantastic happy. experience. Yeah, they kind of move from thought to thought, <laughs> and uh, I mean, they, they store their old thoughts, but a new thought can have a uh, a huge effect on uh, on their overall happiness number. So basically, what happens now is it it, it a series of events. Um, I mean, a, a number of events create thoughts in a dwarf, like like whether they've just gotten sprayed by a waterfall mist, whether or not they just saw someone died, whether or not they had just drank some water with mud in it, or you know, so on. It's it's kind of an uneven list, but there's a lot of stuff there. And the each if 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 one of those things happens, it generates a a, a thought in the dwarf, and the thought goes into the dwarf's head. And really, all a thought does is make a dwarf happier or make a dwarf um, more uh, more sad. And uh, you know, in a broad sense, you know how it how it manifests itself depends on some things we'll get to, but. Um, so there's there's these thoughts, and it just uh, every event adds a thought, and it keeps track of the thoughts for for uh, say a season. Um, and once you cross through like halfway through the season, I don't really remember if it's a season or a year. It's not that that really that important. But uh, once once a once a thought becomes kind of half stale, um, halfway through its 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 shelf life, then it uh, has uh, half the effect. Um, on on the overall happiness, but basically the happiness of a dwarf just add all those numbers up, 
you know, take the dining room number, take the dead relative number, take the attack by zombie relative number from the 2D version that wasn't released, attack the, uh, take the, uh, rotten food number and take the I was promoted number and take the didn't have enough work number, add them all up and you get one number. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there's some balance issues there with the dining rooms has been pointed out, but just overall the system kind of sucks. But you get that number. If the dwarf is happy, happy, the dwarf is happy. If the dwarf gets down low enough, it starts to look at their kind of personality facets. How do they deal with stress? How do they, uh, you know, how do they manifest their, their, um, their unhappiness? You know, do they, do they get angry easily, for instance? So if a dwarf gets angry e- easily and has a low happiness number, they might throw a tantrum. Or if a dwarf, you know, just uh, becomes sad easily or depressed easily, then when they have a low happiness number, they, um, they can they can fall into that melancholy that's permanent or whatever, and so the, the the personality only starts kind of being used in the extreme cases with the low happiness, and um, that's that's a it's a pretty simple system and uh, it has lots of problems as we know, so uh, it's it's um you know uh, I, I yeah so. It's like a uh, dating sim. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a bad dating sim. I mean, I don't think dwarf or even I mean, dating sims. I, I guess are are really refined now, um, and I'm sure they're a lot of fun for the people that know about how they work or whatever. Um, ours is not very good yet. It's uh, it's uh, um, but but yeah, you basically have to keep your your dwarf happy, and eventually you'll have babies. What is a dwarven hierarchy of needs? <laughs> yeah, the dwarf needs to find their infant if it's crawling around, and <laughs> find a, uh, yeah, get their get their um, get their food on, get, get their drink on, then get their food on, then get their sleep on, and uh, and they can worry about the baby. Um, yeah, maybe they wor- do. They worry about the baby first until they starve to death. It's up there. Um, get out of the lava is one of the things on the list. Um, <laughs> uh, but being on fire, I don't think it is on the list. <laughs> Uh, I'm on fire, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, then it starts to worry about, you know, uh, other things like, but, but the stuff like, you know, having parties and going on break just works on these kind of these timers and stuff. It's not, there's not a lot to a dwarf's psychological makeup right now. Um, and that's something that we really want to change because it lets you, um, I mean, not just control things like tantrum spiral, spirals, stuff that are kind of side effects of the system that, that you need to have a different system to really control well and uh, kind of control in a reasonable way. And, uh, but, but just, just, I mean, it, it, having, having a better system would let you kind of look at the dwarf and not just say, you know, hi, oh, I'm happy or oh, I'm sad. But it would actually tell you a little bit about what's going on in the dwarf's head. So, I mean, the, the general idea here, I don't have this, um, completely hashed out, but the, the events, these thoughts that happen, um, it's like something happens to the dwarf and it turns into a thought right now. And the thought just kind of is this lingering thing that affects the happiness number. So really an event that happens, you know, should create some kind of reaction in the dwarf and that should kind of um, put an emotion in their head or something, something that lasts for, for however long it should last. Some of them would be very short term, some of them would be very long term. And they can be in different directions, you know, things like jealousy or anger or, uh, just overall sadness or, or, you know, however it works. And your, your personality can kind of filter your emotional response or, or direct it in one way or another. And, and if, 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 you know, emotions run really high, 
they could do something like like start a fist fight or whatever, but it wouldn't be because they're you know just overall absolutely miserable and on a uh, on a kind of uh, spiral to destruction. But you know overall they could have kind of their you know what is their kind of baseline emotional state. You know some some people are just kind of generally happier than others or, or whatever, and and the events could kind of tweak that, kind of push you push you slowly slowly in one direction or another so you, you could you could become kind of miserable or whatever as as things keep happening to you um, but but just kind of kind of breaking getting rid of that happiness number entirely and just sort of having the uh, the the emotional state of the dwarf on several axes would be uh, would be a lot better way of, of, of handling it I think it would also make adventure mode a lot more interesting um, if you start to have people um, you know that 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 react a little bit differently and can react to all the things. Um, it would be it would be a you know better way to handle it. What are you doing, Scamps? There's don't put your get your head. Okay, so he got his toy and he put it inside this empty box of cereal, and then he stuffed his whole head in there after it. And he was just kind of walking around with a cereal box on his head. But <laughs> I've got the toy now, and I'm gonna throw it out of the room. There he goes. All right. <laughs> That's his favorite toy, the one that he's chewed all of the hair off of. Um, so, yeah. So, so like, yeah, like I said, the the um, the system isn't. I mean, I want to keep the the personality facets. I like having you know the four, the thirty different facets of the personalities and just increasing the overall um, number of places those are used and so on. But I think to complement the personality facets, we also need um stuff like 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 different emotions that you can be feeling and um you know additionally some some things like um you know more uh, along the lines of those likes and dislikes but 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 stuff that 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 the dwarf could be into or like the dwarf's vices or something like that you know just some kind of uh some kind of more permanent characteristics but that can be changed uh you know, overexposure and 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 so on. Just just kind of give them a little more a more texture there. But happiness happiness number is definitely going to go. Are families going to be more complicated than like family relationships? I I think I think uh, I mean just as a starting point, they should be respected at all. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like a dwarf. Um, I mean, they might recognize a few things about their brother or something, like vaguely speaking. But they really don't, in general, like like have have a handle on like their parents or their brother or their um, their their spouse. They kind of know that they're sleeping in the same room or whatever, and they can kind of shoot spores at each other and stuff. But <laughs> but uh, it's it's uh, it's one of those things. It's kind of maybe maybe um, you know even even part of the sociology discussion say is. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if the, uh, you know, like they say about, about like, you know, the building block of society is the nuclear family or whatever. Um, I don't know what the, quite what, we haven't decided really what the building block of dwarven society is or whatever, but the family should certainly be part of that, right? It's like, if you're starting to add things like, like, a, like a mason's guild and a, and a cult based around the, the god of, of minerals or whatever, then, you know, having the family of a dwarf be, um, one of those units that determines what a dwarf thinks about uh, is is I think I think really important because they they'd be then weighing decisions. You know, it's like does this decision 
you know, how does how does it uh, jive with my with my religion? How does it how does it um, affect my relationship with the Masons Guild? But also, you know, how does it affect my you know my my family? Uh, would be would be kind of a huge factor, I think, uh, at least in the, in a dwarven society. I'm not sure the goblins would give a crap about it, but um, you know, maybe some of them would. But it's yeah, it's 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 one of those things that that's completely underutilized. Of course, families are are really common, right? Every dwarf has a family, so and there's a lot of different families. So tracking it as an entity in and of itself might be um, a bad idea. Like having a having a different, I mean, having a larger clan or something. If it's like a really large group of people, then it makes more sense. But having like um, you know, ten thousand different entities, <laughs> you know, one for each family or whatever, would would start to to stretch um, what's reasonable, especially because there you know there'd be rooms set aside for like what is the uniform of your family or whatever. <laughs> it's like it's not necessary information. It's like what kind of weapons does your family, like what kind of trade goods does your family have access to? Um, you know, what territory do they own on the map? Uh, it's it's uh, you know it gets starts to get silly if you if you really give them full blown entity status but at the same time uh they're important enough that they should get get a um an equal role in decision making right um and and you know just just like but it's one of those it's one of those things that is also easy to let slide right um so i i mean i'm not really sure when we when we'd start thinking about that stuff <laughs> uh you know um maybe maybe we'd start thinking about it when we're doing this these kind of guild and religion overhauls just just kind of at least leave a spot open at the table for it and not kind of code myself out of it um but yeah it's certainly something i have to keep in mind right i mean because because i mean a huge huge amounts of legends and and so on are, are family based right like people rescuing their yeah. children or or rescuing their their significant others and and uh or having you know like the uh the um the three errors errors to the kingdom fighting over it and that kind of thing and a lot of you know coming back to to family stuff there um and right now that's just a completely unrecognized i mean unfortunately it's recognized in world generation to the point they don't sleep with their siblings to have more kids or whatever but um that's that's really just a just a uh a very specific case that's handled in a very specific way instead of something that's that's kind of tangible by itself. What are you doing down there? What are you do- He is halfway in the cereal box. Now, what is it about this cereal box, mister? Is it empty or full? It's empty. It, there's an empty oh. cereal box I just put on the floor because I haven't thrown it out yet. And um, which seems to be a theme of the floor of my room right now. But um, he just, yeah, he's there's nothing in there at all. He's just, except half a cat sometimes. <laughs> I guess he just likes putting himself in there. But, uh. Yeah, I, I don't the know what it is about cats and boxes. <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 uh, as energetic as ever. Um, a little hero. He's coming back in the. Where? What are you doing? Okay, anyway. My uncle slayed a dragon. Yeah, you should be proud of your uncle. You should make a statue yes. of your uncle. And then uncle uh, statue. <laughs> and then every time you walk by it, you could be like proud of your uncle or something. Yeah, and get proud thoughts. Yeah. So, so, and I guess a proud thought would now no longer just be happiness or sadness, but it would be in the kind of swelling pride emotion category, yes. which would then counteract your depression and proclivity to drink. Yes. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. Yeah, that's true. 
it doesn't it doesn't ever go away entirely. That's why you have to stay in treatment. That's true. That's why you're always recovering. (laughs) (laughs) All dwarves are always recovering. Yeah, yeah, they don't get very far along the step. They're like on their three day coin before they have to go back to step one. Yeah, I don't know if we're doing justice to sociology here. <laughs> but that's close. Actually, that's uh, close science discussion. Okay, science discussion. Yeah, so sorry sociology people we didn't have that much to say, but um I'm sure we could have a sociology on only dwarf fortress talk in a year or two or something when when we have more <laughs> idea of what we talk about, but yeah, we're just not scientists and we don't know a lot about anything. So, we tried our best and hopefully we answered questions for people and stuff. Or didn't, and we will answer them, you know, as you continue to ask them. Okay, yeah, so my apologies in any case. Indeed. So let us get on to actual questions from actual other people. Yeah, other people ask questions. We we have a natural segue. Coming right up. Okay. Welcome to the second part of the show where we are going to ask your burning science questions. <laughs> and other questions. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Quatch asks, what is the cosmology of the dwarven world? Is it heliocentric? Uh, so we've got, uh, right now there is a, there is a sun that, that kind of sets on one side and uh, rises on the other side. I think it determines that at random, although, you know, Whatever those words depend on, they kind of depend on the sun and magnetism, so maybe that's meaningless. But um, And there's also a moon. But we don't really have anything kind of decided for those. Uh, what will probably end up happening uh, further along is you'll have kind of the creation tale or whatever. Uh, now, there's, there's several civilizations with different sets of gods, so I'm not really sure who's going to be right or if it's all going to be like different sides of the same multi-sided coin, the same polyhedron or whatever, but um, uh, it's it's uh, probably going to to be one of those things that's easily randomized and so will be will be kind of randomly decided uh, what the deal is there. And that could also, with a little bit of work, um, also uh, have to do with the shape of the, uh, you know, not just what is orbiting what, if anything's orbiting anything, rather than being dragged along in chariots and stuff. But also what the shape of the world is, whether, uh, you know, how the, the edges work. Right now, the edges just kind of have this kind of uh, barrier, invisible, yeah. yeah, invisible barrier. But also, people can kind of like migrant groups and uh, and certain um, foreign materials can come in off the edges, depending on the version you're playing. So uh, it's just not really well defined right now what the, what the world is. But it would be easy to make a, a torus or a cylinder, and uh, or to fudge a kind of uh, sphere or whatever. Uh, with uh, the proper edge behavior, like something going off the top edge and then coming halfway over on the other top edge or whatever. I don't remember if you actually get a sphere from that or some kind of weird projective space or something, but it's it's uh, close enough. And um, yeah, so we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll 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 probably mess around with that with that later on. And uh, um, the myth stuff might 
come sooner rather than later just because I really wanted to kind of mess around with that stuff because it's a lot of fun to, to do. Quatch also wants to know, will, will there be hurricanes and tornadoes? And also, I mean, from this, will there be, like, lightning and, you know, crazy monsoons and, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, to the to the extent that uh, to the extent that that the flows don't kind of get out of control there, um, it'd be really cool. I mean, things like a like a hurricane would be pretty easy to do. I mean, it doesn't have to depend that much on the weather simulation. You can just kind of have them uh, crop up on a occasion, and and then you could you could have uh, the the weather simulation could just start kind of running a a, a little uh, cyclone. Or or uh, anti cyclone or whatever the heck they end up being, um, uh, going going uh, you know toward toward along some lines like it could just kind of define some lines uh, you know either from the sea to the coast or up one of the coasts or around you know like that and um, you know when you're when you're locally in a hurricane then it could just start you know having a kind of driving rain and kind of insane wind that can actually pick up items it's just like whenever whenever an item's on the ground it could just kind of occasionally give them a push and send them flying uh for a hurricane and a i guess a tornado would look like that even more kind of insanely and locally or whatever i think yeah i, I think it's a, a a dev item and 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 it would be a lot of fun to do that and lightning strikes so well, i mean that's just kind of mean i guess <laughs> it's just like you're you're playing dwarf mode and then all of a sudden it's like bam it's like oh well you know, shouldn't have been above ground. You know, people are going to be, you know, milking their cows and growing above ground crops and stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe the dwarven god of thunder will target you a little more often. If I can see how that would be a problem. <laughs> get you back under the surface where you where you belong, and then the dwarven god of magma can have fun with you. <laughs> I have a question from Jenks about religion. He asks... Do you see religion in fort mode being more active or more reactive? Will carpenters all worship Tessin, uh, Iden, tossed wood, god of carpentry, and then get angry if you don't have shrines to him, or will you be able to build a tossed wood shrine and make converts? Yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult question when you're in dwarf mode. Um, how much people should be able to kind of utilize site resources to do their own thing? Because um, the mood moods do it right now, and you can kind of see where the trouble comes from that, right? Where where you're kind of uh, uh, trying to trying to get the mood dwarf to be happy, and I mean he's asking for fairly specific things, but um, you, you still have to kind of stop what you're doing and, and pay attention to it to some extent. Um, and you also, I mean, some people track their their resources fairly carefully, so. As I mean, I'm I'm all for dwarves being kind of proactive, especially on their free time, where they you know they might just now be sitting on break and or or doing parties where they don't do anything, um, and just stand around. So so it would it would be it would be cool to have them be proactive. But if you're actually talking about like going out and building a shrine, for example, there's a couple things that you'd want to be careful about there. One is the resources. Um, like the actual material resources, but there's also the matter of space and location. Like if if the guy wants to build a shrine in his room or something, or or you know if you can assign people workshops or something, if they want to put something in a place where they have, um, you know, some expectation that you wouldn't care that much. But if if they just start 
putting putting shrines in the middle of hallways or something, it, <laughs> it could get irritating. So you'd you'd have to. I mean, maybe they could build one in a meeting hall, but they just have to make sure that they're not um, blocking anything off. Or you know, if you had plans, I guess it's kind of okay that they'd screw them up because that's part of what taking care of dwarves is all about. But um, uh, on the other hand, I mean, I mean, you can see how you have to you have to be careful when you kind of when you kind of dip into this stuff. So. At first, it'll be um, more about the 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 religious group and uh, what what um, kind of political uh, involvement they have, or just sort of a happiness sadness thing and making requests of you that kind of stuff. Where uh, proactive stuff, you know, but might not might not come at all, or if it does, it, it, we just have to be careful careful about it and of course during world gen or adventure mode or anything else uh people can go all kinds of nuts or whatever uh that would be that would be um more acceptable dwarf mode you always have to be a little bit more careful Nengen wants to know what are the heritable traits parents can pass on to their children, personality, preference for certain attributes, etc. A curse, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's currently what we've got are the attributes or the kind of, you know, the, the vaguely the, the attributes um, to, to an extent being passed down. I mean, it's not like if, if you have, if the, if, if the parents have, Two specific numbers. It doesn't pick one or the other, um, but there's there's a little bit going on there. And then uh, all of the uh, colors, like eye color, hair color, I think that uses a kind of dominant recessive thing now, where you 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 pass on two copies and then it picks probably the color with the lowest index. Um, maybe there's kind of an alphabetic bias right now, which genes are dominant, or it might be the first one you listed. It could be the first one you list in the um, in the RAS actually. That that's the uh, the dominant gene there. Um, so that I think that's it right now. It just just attributes and, and colors. Um, the idea this time around was to just get uh, our feet wet um, and get something working. And after that, you know, really it's it's easy to add new genes, easy to add all kinds of effects for them. Uh, I mean, I have to code it up. It's not th- something you can just mod in. But we, and of course, we'd have to have discussions about this. You know, uh, what what's the extent to which uh, personality is passed on versus it being environmental factors and so on. I'm sure we can have all kinds of uh, wonderful arguments on the forums and so on. But right now, we're just doing simple things that are um, um, uh, pretty cut and dried, like like hair color and 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 uh, and uh, well, well, colors. And um, attributes. I mean, it's not it's not quite cut and dried there. What uh, what um, what 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 passes along and what doesn't and so on. That, but I think right now all of the attributes pass along. Um, 
you know, whether or not that's accurate is a, is another question. And also stuff like the shape of the nose and the height modifiers and basically anything called a modifier in the raws, which is, you know, it's how curly is your hair? How long is your nose? How far apart are your eyes? Uh, what color is your, your skin, eyes, hair? Uh, all those, um, all those pass along right now. They have, they have genes to, to pass them along. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah no you know and, and and as far as curses and stuff or whatever um yeah i mean whatever whatever those end up being uh you know we could we can we can link it in but there's nothing right now of course all right i have a question here from calvin um he was wondering if you'd implement mining changes and how we're looking at changing how mining works like perhaps um we could also talk about like if we're going to if the material of the mining pick is going to make a difference or if there's going to be other interesting things that happen while you're mining. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, interesting things. I mean, it's good as long as you're not just, just getting blasted out and dying all the time. Um, and, and as far as, as pick material and stuff goes, as, as long as the miners can kind of intelligently swap out their picks and stuff, it's not, it doesn't become really annoying. Um, then, then that would be, I mean, because it might be, I mean, if you need to have, say, steel picks to, to get through certain rocks, um, then the dig designation system, I mean, there, there's some clunkiness that could come up there that would need to be, uh, kind of, um, handled. I mean, uh, when, when he's referring to, to mining changes, I'm not, I'm not sure specifically what, what, what he had in mind, um. Oh, 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 he's not, he's not talking about mining changes. He's talking about mining charges. Um, so he wanted explosives? Tack nukes? <laughs> so what, we've, we talked about explosives a bit during the science discussion, I, I, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess I misheard the question. Uh, the, uh, mining charges. So that would depend on the future of explosives. And, uh, if explosives, if, if things like black powder do go in, which we were kind of thinking of as a, uh, as a moddable, then, uh, we have to think if we're, if we're going to actually, you know, blow out chunks of the map and, and, and so on. I mean, there's just, there's, there's problems to be addressed there. Um, so, yeah, it's not something I, I've, I've considered that much just because I haven't thought that much about gunpowder, stuff like that. I have a question here from Desmet. He asks, uh, there, are there any ideas or plans for improving cities, towers, and fortresses in the game world? I was wondering if we could get specific. So, for instance, like elf retreats and human towns and goblin forts and stuff, if, how, how that's going to be improved. I guess specifically for adventure mode, because you don't generally see that in dwarf fortress mode. Yeah. Something else. Yeah, I mean, they, they suck, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh i mean the 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 so so certainly we want to improve those now when it comes to like specific plans for how towers and city walls and so on are going to be, be are going to be implemented i don't have like at my fingertips information i actually used to know more about about um sort of the the the, the little bits and pieces that make up castles and, and all that kind of thing uh, but, uh, 
it would be cool to go there, right? <laughs> and uh, when it comes to to the elf, I, I mean, the, the the elf fortress, the elf retreats rely on um, getting multi-tile vegetation in. Um, once we do multi-tile vegetation, those places will look awesome. It'll be and, bad. And, they need uh, stone yeah. hinges. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah. There's the whole the whole mystery of Stonehenge and stuff. Um, I remember those TV oh, wow. commercials where it's so, like I mean, they can't, they can't water. build clocks for themselves, right? They need something to tell time with. <laughs> yeah, they can just ask the animals. Animals know time. <laughs> They're like, it's time to go to bed. It's time to wake up. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I mean, and and I'd like to have the the like the human civilizations, for example. It would be kind of lame if they all had the same architecture. I think um, you know once I once I kind of refresh my memory on on what are the bits and pieces that that make up the different architectures, what kind of different buildings there are, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they should make choices then, and um, and be and be able to to have the towns have different character to them uh, when that when they when they make their um, walls or just their houses um, and, and the various castles and, and little 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 parapet things and little little spikes that are stick out of the top with little flags on them and minarets and all that kind of thing or whatever and uh, yeah I think I mean as, as, as much diversity as you've got in the real world as much as we can kind of convey with a tile based format um that that stuff should should come across. I mean, it, it it's it's one of those things where um, you have to engage in the project at some point and actually do it. And it's kind of hard to time things, which are superfluous in a sense. But uh, uh, should should be um, they should be done. I mean, at, at first things will probably look kind of vanilla or whatever, just as we get people to have walls properly and. And moats and and tapestries and rugs and things, uh, <laughs> just just making the towns look better. But um, the the as we as we get enough information to allow them to d- diversify, then then they should be able to do that. Hopefully. Cool. Viking longhouses and like um, that's that's the only type of building I know. Yeah, because they've got those they've got those mead hall things right now, and that and, and they all look the same. They all have this stairway that goes up one side and curls around the other until there's this balcony. And I mean that's kind of lame that that everything should look that way. I mean it would it would be it would be really cool if we could kind of uh, set up a way for the raws to kind of guide a lot of what's going on. I mean, but I I'm not down to drawing specific maps because that gets kind of clunky um, and repetitive. But it would be good to kind of guide the process uh, using some kind of architectural primitives or whatever, uh, and 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 then and sort of preferred shapes. Like right now, all of the houses and things are squares. Um, it shouldn't necessarily be that way. Um, and and you know, even I mean, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Like, like you mentioned these longhouses or whatever. It's like even if even if the um, the entities right now just said, you know, we prefer. Uh, these dimensions versus these dimensions, or whatever, it would add it would add a, a degree of character to the civilizations when you arrive at them. So, I mean, just just a few things goes a long way. And if we if we really jump into it, it should be it should be awesome. Yeah, yurts. That's another building. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to have tents for my uh, for my uh, uh, animal camps this time around the animal people camps. But oh, that'd be cool. But but we were like. 
you know, why why do they have tents when they're underground? We're trying to think. There's no wind. There's no uh, rain. Well, uh, the temperatures the temperatures completely the same. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, if they're in a live like cave, maybe maybe they should carry around little umbrellas or whatever. Uh, that, yeah, if they're in a really wet cave, then yeah, the umbrella is definitely a, a must, and you, so you don't get all this kind of limestone caked all over your body and stuff. And You've been struck by an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, the Batman strikes you with his umbrella. Hmm. Yeah, that would be a good What's thing to get out of it, though. Cave spider umbrella. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they've got all kinds of leather down there now. They can, uh, they can, they can. Uh, cut people up and, and tan them and stuff. I mean, right now the camps have these little stacked leathers and they have this stacked uh, prepared meats or preserved meats that they uh, that they keep down there and they just kind of hang out <laughs> with all the meat and leather. And, they uh, eat it? No, they do not. They they just hang out there. I mean, if we forced them to eat it, it would it would be one of those things that develops into a uh, a problem over time since they aren't hunting new stuff and. Uh, and uh, they aren't really doing anything. It's, it's kind of the same problem as, as allowing your pets to eat or allowing anyone to eat. You have to allow them to replenish their supplies or walk off the edge of the map and so on. And, and you know, eventually having that happen would be cool. Um, of course, you run into those problems with dwarf mode versus adventure mode because, um, uh, yeah, everything would be would be operating at, 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 you know, two speeds that are 72 times apart, and you have to... Reconcile all of the differences um, there, which is quite annoying. But but uh, still, um, yeah. So they just sit there now. <laughs> they just hang out with their meat and stuff, and they've got weapons and things, and just kind of hang out and wait for you to show up and cause trouble. <laughs> I have a question from Nil. He wants to know, or she wants to know more about combat during world generation. And uh, I was just curious how, how that actually works. Do they you just put a bunch of armies in front of each other, or do they actually travel and, and cause trouble for each other? Um, it's pretty weak right now. They 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 have their enemy like like you have the civilization. It has its target that it wants to attack, and then they kind of pull all of the able-bodied people they can from their civilization and lump them into a group and send them at the. Um, Send them at the uh, the other t- at their target, which then lumps its people. Um, generally, the defenders at the site, but they can pull in more people. I think if they if they uh, have that kind of civilization that isn't just site based, and then uh, it it it. Uh, I'm trying to remember here if it it just kind of pairs them off and fights zillions of little duels. So all of the um, like when you read the details of a duel between important historical figures, like where where it just says like his you know his right arm was wounded and then the other guy ran away or whatever, right? Um, that is what is happening with every single fight with every single person. You just don't see it. So so you, and that that's why when you go into their legend, you can still read the details of how their arms and legs were hacked off, even if they're not you know um, uh, the civilization leader and it doesn't show up in the era based list or whatever as a as an important duel um so so you you still get that that those little hacking and but it, it's not like um the kind of new adventure mode dwarf mode combat with all of the specific tendons and materials because it would just kind of grind to a halt if you had thousands of people fighting each other every single year in world generation 
So right now, I think it classifies things as 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 kind of wounds or killing blows, and then just kind of assesses what a wound might be, what's a feasible wound that could have been caused. It matches up a few things, like is the thing fire resistant versus does this guy breathe fire and that kind of stuff, and uh, gives gives some plausible wounds um, to the. Uh, Mostly chopping crap off, uh, but occasionally just just uh, saying like this was wounded or whatever. I don't think I've even added scars yet. They, th- that's one of the things that was on the list that I haven't gotten a chance to get to is adding scars to people that were injured in World Generation without severs, uh, just giving them cool looking scars when you meet them. But uh, it it's um, pretty so it's pretty simple. And there's nothing like like uh, there's another thing that was kind of written down like doing military tactics and and little strategy things to uh, to to spice it up before we actually get to those when we start doing the improved sieges and sending out armies, but I didn't get a chance to do any of that so it's it's still uh, just kind of throwing people at each other and stuff. <laughs> and I, I mean there are terrain bonuses I think um, like if 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 you're if you're in a cave. And they send an army at you, then I think it just improves your combat rolls by like two or three times or something. There, there are um, things like that. I mean, it's all just kind of uh, it's stuff that you'd you'd kind of see in a more kind of traditional uh, strategy game or whatever, where people get like hundred for fifty percent defensive bonus from fortified position, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I'm not sure. I mean, once we add in some some tactics and things, it'll it'll kind of talk about that, and you might be able to have a general with with a really high uh, kind of um, military skills uh, at not at the individual combat level but more up at the strategic and tactical levels uh, being able to uh, defeat a superior force and it could kind of say what happened even if it's just sort of waving its hands a little bit about you know pincers and and flanking maneuvers and all that kind of thing and attacking at night and um, you know, doing a ruse to lure you know this group of people away from their position and all that kind of stuff, uh, and you know we you can kind of pay lip service to that in world generation, and then you can start actually working it in, in uh, you can actually start working it in over in the actual gameplay modes. But right now, right now it's very blah blah blah. Vince wants to know. Will there be cavities and teeth brushes in the future versions of Dwarf Fortress? So, I don't know much about kind of you know how how people learned about dental hygiene and 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 uh, you know how effective it is to just brush your teeth with water or whatever. I mean, I, I imagine they didn't have like toothpaste, unless they did. I mean, they could have very well had toothpaste, as far as I know, and rubbed all kinds of weird things on other stuff and then rubbed that weird stuff on their teeth and it made their teeth healthier or whatever. Um, so I, I have kind of a, a, a historical blank spot there. I mean, we don't have to be slaves to history, but it's good to understand what, what happened and, and to see how it might fit into the game. Um, and but but now that we've got teeth, now that we have teeth, I'm kind of pro cavity now. I'm kind of pro having all messed up, <laughs> rotten teeth and all all like dwarves with five teeth falling out and bad being breath. all bad breath, stinky teeth and. Will and, they will they make toys and pendants out of the teeth that fall out? I I I, <laughs> I guess they could, although there might be a butchery kind of prohibition on using. Uh, sentient or whatever, sapient, whatever you want to say, uh, 
uh, teeth, and so they would just they'd bury them, I guess, before they die. If they, well, I guess when they die, they'd put them in the tomb with them, maybe. Um, Are there gums? Yeah, they don't have gums Creatures right now. Have just, gums? Just, they just they have don't? head. They don't even have tongues right now. I got. I want to put in tongues before I release it, actually. But uh, but right now they don't have gums. They just have head, and the the mouth, the teeth fit in the head. <laughs> And you know the gums are are assumed to be part of that, but yeah, no. If we had gums, then you can have gingivitis and uh, and and other kinds of periodontal disease or whatever they're called. But um, yeah, so no, I think I mean I think it would be cool to have that as long. I mean, just putting it in, like putting in cavities without any kind of um, preventative things. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, like I said, historically what's going on there, but it seems like kind of a low move to put in cavities first and not have anything that can be done about them because then, you know, you, every game that you play for for 10 years, you wouldn't be able to see uh, any of your dwarves because the miasma would be choking up the hallway or whatever. <laughs> All these rotten, nasty, rotted dwarves and walking around. And then He's lost a tooth lately. Yeah, I'm seeing a picture of teeth scattered everywhere in the fortress. Yeah, it just, it'd just be, yeah. I mean, so you, you want to make sure it doesn't get out of control, um, you know, when you remember... Not to let it get out of control anyway, and uh, so you know, I'd be curious to know about um, about what what the history of dental care is and how uh, how bad it got. I mean, dwarves could just run around with platinum teeth after a few years or whatever, <laughs> um, gold teeth and and all kinds of different jeweled teeth and and uh, maybe everyone just got like this massive shiny grills uh, after a while. That makes uh, sense for a successful it's, fortress. It's just how dwarves dwarves work. Um, yeah, that's how so, they roll. It's possible. It's possible uh, uh, that it can end up that way instead. But I'm, I'm certainly um, I'm certainly not against that kind of thing. Of course, when when I when I sit here and talk enthusiastically about that kind of stuff it's like it's obviously not a priority either <laughs> so I, mean, I hate to to promise so many things when i'm just kind of talking about um what's possible now that we do have teeth um <laughs> so yeah i wouldn't expect it in the in the immediate future but it, it can be done now um we have the teeth so <laughs> remember dwarf workers fans brush daily and use floss that's right. That's right. For a healthier smile. Don't end up like Erst McDwarf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All yeah. teeth had to be granite, which is unfortunate. That's right. I was reading, and I guess uh, early grain milling techniques that were they used like the stone grinder. What's the word for it? Uh, like a corn, like a corn, yeah, yeah. Corn. Every little bits of the granite would break off into the uh, flour, yeah, yeah. and that's why hasn't had bad teeth. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> like I mean, it's like bad enough to hit some weird chicken bone or something, but but hitting a piece of stone when you're eating a loaf of bread kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, those peasants must have been stoned quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Same with uh, same with ancient Egyptians because like, they had sand and everything. <laughs> Cats. Make a joke about that. <laughs> well, you can walk like an Egyptian and you can eat like an Egyptian. That's right. 
Well, this is the end of another podcast, and uh, we appreciate everyone joining us. Uh, thank you, Tarn, for your illuminous help. Illuminous help. <laughs> thank you, Tarn. Thank you, Tarn, for your illuminous help. You're welcome. And thanks, <laughs> thanks to the captain. And uh, we, we should thank um, Olier for the, the music and, uh, and also Emily our special, Miller, also Miller, the special guest music. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Malox, the, 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 the Malox is, is thanked for the, the transcripts. And transcriptionist. Um, were there other people to thank? Um, uh, um, I, I think everyone I, who donated this month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. someone someone wanted to give me to give a shout out to Gaming Steve. Uh, there's the sh- there's a shout out and uh, yeah. So so I guess there's the, the the contest as well. So now that the new version is is um, is up, uh, we can we can have our first contest. Um, we're thinking of doing a uh, or having you guys uh, rather uh, create. Um, a giant fortress kind of suspended over the uh, the magma sea, which uh, no doubt many of you have found <laughs> down there. Magma sea, sea. And uh, we'll be we'll be posting uh, details in a forum thread, which should be up as you're listening to this. So uh, yeah, go and check it out. There should be a vanilla and a modded version of the uh, of the challenge, and hopefully the uh, the bugginess of the release won't interfere too much, or it's just something you guys will have to take in stride <laughs> as you're uh, you're tormented by the various beasts in the depths. Um, all right, so there we go. It'll be fun. It'll be good. <laughs> so thanks everyone for joining us, and thank you, Tarn, again, and we will see you next time. All right, bye, bye.
you have like those little cat creeps that clean the teeth. Oh, we, oh we're back on cavities? <laughs> I, I'm, I guess I'm supposed to brush his teeth every day or something, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that going off very well. <laughs> Bite the crap out of me. Although Zach's, Zach's got way more scratches. I don't know what it is. Scamps is just a little bit gentler with me. So I don't have any scratches on my hands, but Zach is all tore up. And uh, so, yeah, I would, uh, I'd be afraid, though, to kind of exacerbate the situation by trying to jam something in his mouth. <laughs> Maybe he would enjoy chewing on it, though. You never know. Yeah, it's just, you know, you have to worry about if he's going to see the boundary between the toothbrush and your fingers or whatever. Because <laughs> he is troubled. It was considerably more violent than uh, the original. <laughs> yeah, it's like they were fighting for their freedom like Braveheart or something. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, they were. What's <laughs> up with that? <laughs> it was great. It was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> hey, Mr. What's this trouble? What? It even had dwarves in it. I'll be birdless dwarves, but... What? <laughs> that, that's not real. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, I can see that maybe. <laughs> hey, stop that! Stop that! This isn't necessary. I've I've actually got an ace up my sleeve. Um, what I did was I have chicken soup here to get me in the mood because chicken soup is it's got biological matter. You use physics to heat it up, and the uh, the other thing. Uh, what, were, what were the three? Well, we got psychology and sociology and chemistry and physics. It's all those, yeah. Chemistry. It's got uh, minerals. <laughs> you never know. I have uh, children who are going to be making noise in the background, so we may have to redo a take or two. <laughs> oh, I don't think we ever had to do that before. No. <laughs> And then I'm gonna I'm having a sandwich delivered to me in a second, which I, I set aside. I made myself and set aside and um, into the into the oven to toast. So it should be being delivered in a moment. 
from my lovely and beautiful helper, Jennifer. Always good. <laughs> okay. So let's let's just keep yawning for like a couple, <laughs> couple minutes. Whoa. This is generating content for the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so at this point, you've been up for like forty-eight hours straight, just coding away. Well, I slept a little bit. I slept. Um, I I only got up at like two o'clock. Uh, I slept for a while in there, but I've been working quite a lot. Um, mostly getting around five or six hours of sleep. Um, there's been yeah, there's been quite a bit of progress from the from the way it started back when I handed the thing out on Valentine's Day. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, three weeks, but there's a lot of things that have changed. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if people are satisfied with what they've got, if it's just miserable. I'm not. Think, mi- I'm not miserable. I think huh? people will be happy. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, I mean, I know the military screen is still pretty awful. Hopefully, the squad view is better now. So, yeah. um, yeah. sandwich handoff. <laughs> Who's a kid? Who's small? We're gonna hear gunshots because this deal's gonna go bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna hand up the sandwich in a briefcase. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on if the sam- sandwich was cut. That is too funny. I don't know why. Uh, that needs to uh, make it into the uh, outtakes. Uh, that could even be an intake here. Hey, Mister, yeah. what's this trouble for? How you doing? <laughs>
Hold, it's being recorded. You are oh. now on Doctor Who. Doggone it. I'm going to have to shut my bird up. Hang on a second. It's going to be peeping all the time. <laughs> I need to get an animal for my room to make noise. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you got to get a bear. A beer-drinking bear. What can we name him? Bearski or something. Um, beer. <laughs> beer the bear. Beer. Beer bear. Beer bear the bear. <laughs> beer. All right, baby scab. She's going to relax right here. Just relax. Don't claw my face. Just relax. I wrote some notes. Yeah, we got okay. notes. We can talk about yeah. science. I have um, I have a picture of a pine tree and a picture of a meteor on this note card. So physics is really like a meteor because that's fire and metal, and gravity is pulling it down towards the pine tree, which would burn. <laughs> but then it, there'd be a crater, and your dwarves would go into the crater. Well, there goes the right speaker onto the floor. Um, okay, time out. <laughs> uh, I don't think I can use the past three minutes.
I have an announcement to make. Oh, yeah? Congratulations. Thank you. That's right. Today is my birthday. That's right. So this Happy is the... Birthday. This is going to be the first podcast where we have someone kind of age over the podcast. He's going to, yeah, he's going to be growing a beard. Right. <laughs> I was always kind of wondering what would happen if you had a goblin in uh, kidnapping a child and he came of age as he's in the bag. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually not sure if they, do they age when they're, I hope they age when they're in confinement. Um, <laughs> it's quite possible they don't. Um Age plus 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 plus. Oh gosh. I guess I won't be able to find it. Oh no, they do. They do because I changed how it works. That's right. Because I, I I used to increment an age counter just like plus 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 plus, but now I just keep track of their birthdays, so you don't have to do that. Um, so they automatically age. Now they might not die of old age then when they're in the bag though. <laughs> Um, immortality device. It's a ba- <laughs> bag of immortality. There's this question here. I don't know if it's really relevant, but <laughs> I think it'd be interesting for maybe in the outtake section. But uh, Sizdik asking about the uh, flat chains on the panic spaces, <laughs> which, which a lot of people are curious about. Um. 
did you want to give that a shot? Uh, okay. Because <laughs> if if we're, if people want your rambling, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get it. Yeah, that's what. I'm yeah, thinking. I guess so. I guess they will. <laughs> All right. Sizik asks, "Dear Doctor Adams, since the upcoming podcast is about science and mathematics is the queen of sciences, <laughs> perhaps you could give, in Laidwarf's terms, a general overview of your PhD dissertation, flat chains and Bannock spaces." Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Go, let, yeah. Well, well, let's see what I can Perhaps remember. It's, it, yeah, it's been a while since uh, since I've thought about this stuff, so I'm sure I'm going to forget lots of things. Ah, let's do it. But uh, so so in general, if you've got um, uh, my 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 paper, kind of kind of overall. Can, we're, we're considering uh, what are called uh, minimal and, surfaces. So, uh, you if know, you, you take you, a, uh, you know, given a wire, you've got a minimal a surface, etc., etc., et uh, and you know yeah, what are the parameters you need, etc. Like like how many blocks up, how many blocks over, that kind of thing. So, what, um, what my uh, it's not uh, you know the straight line distance between two points so anymore, but kind of like how far did you have to go? So, if you kind of change, you know, depending on your problem, how many blocks over, that kind of thing. So, it's just it's just like like the real space, like if you think about like three dimensional ones or whatever. If you change the distance uh, function on that, so maybe you've heard of like uh, the taxi cab distance in New York City, like how many blocks up, how many blocks over, that kind of thing. Um, it's not, you know, a straight line. But in any case, I've rambled a bit. Um, but yeah, I just generally proved that these these minimal surfaces exist in, in uh, kind of more complicated spaces, and there's been a lot of subsequent work and work that was going on at the same time in, in you know, more general spaces, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. I haven't really been keeping up the past couple of years, but... Rumble. Yeah, I guess you could take the, uh, take the, um, like the 20 minute rambling there or whatever and let it ramble for three minutes, but then take another minute and a half of the rambling and put it over my original rambling or something so it's like there's two of me talking then put a third one or yeah. like, and it'll just <laughs> it'll just kind of degenerate into this like blah 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 <laughs> that's actually a fairly I, good idea well i just think it's important that uh even if this isn't going the podcast that uh, we could it exists so no, I can more. I can put it in the end. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I guess <laughs> I just know it's come up a lot where people are like, "Well, he did this paper. I wonder if it has anything to do with Dwarf Fortress." Rumble.